Hello, everyone, and good afternoon. It's nice to see everyone today. I'm Char Nolan. If you hear helicopters today, it is because there is a bear in my township today, and there have been helicopters hovering all day. So welcome to all of you. I hope that everyone has been having a great day and enjoying the spring weather wherever you are, except if you're in Nebraska, where I understand that it snowed 15 inches yesterday. So we're going to start off with some great questions. If you have ever wondered from the Plant Pro course what benefit the shindig has, You'll understand that that process is wonderful if you decide to cater an event or donate food or whatever. So I, along with a fellow Dom de Escoffier, have been donating 20 meals that we sell at her kombucha studio. And <clears throat> pardon me. And um, today, a, a, a person who bought one of my lunches uh, sent me a photo of uh, a beautiful, of the beautiful looking lunch. It was beautiful to me, but I made pulled mushrooms that looked like pulled pork and I served them on organic jasmine rice. And I made a uh, Texas caviar and a corn muffin. All of it was whole food, plant-based, no oil, no salt, oil, or sugar. I don't tell people that because I want them to keep coming back and supporting our fundraiser. So. Here we go. I hope everyone is doing well. I did want to say that uh, this is a new book that I just got. It's called The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide by Dr. Heather Shankman. And her information is very good. It's very easy to read, but she's got some great recipes in it. And that's where I have been using the Texas caviar recipe, which has no oil, salt, or sugar in it. And it is really, really delicious. So, Let's start off with the first question. We have a lot of questions today, so I'm hoping to get to all of them. And I, of course, have some little props and things here as well. So the first question is from Heather F. Good afternoon, Heather. I hope you're well. Um, Heather is uh, working with gluten-free flours to make pasta dough. And the first time she used uh, Bob Red Bob's Red Mill, and it turned out too dry and crumbly. And then she attempted a second time using Arrow, Arrowhead Mills gluten-free and it was too sticky. So I would love to know where you live and what your altitude is like because sometimes that can affect gluten-free dough making. However, I think of the two that you have listed, I would totally prefer the one that's a little bit sticky. And I would suggest to, um, Rather than work on granite or countertop, I would work on wood. I would flower it well. I would knead it well. And I think that that might be the, um, the uh, ticket to getting the dough that you're looking for. Sometimes when you work on granite, it can be colder than if you're working on wood. So that would be my uh, thought. And believe it or not, that's a question that comes up a lot. So what's your altitude and what are you kneading the dough on? Two very important questions. Um, too sticky is better than too dry. Thank you very much, Heather. So here we go from Kathy T. And this is a great question as we enter the grilling season. What if any tips when grilling vegetables such as cauliflower and broccoli, I season them and grill them, but the taste was not just there. 
So I love to grill vegetables. Easy vegetables are things like zucchini and tomatoes, um, onion slices. However, with something like cauliflower or broccoli, I always like to braise them, uh, preferably in a low sodium broth, and then uh, braise them for about 10 or 15 minutes, just like you do for the uh, cauliflower assignment, and then cut them into those slabs and grill them, and you will enjoy the flavor and the texture. Because sometimes if you grill a raw piece of uh, cauliflower, for example, it comes out like two pieces, two florets taste like they are cooked and the rest of it is not. So the same would go with broccoli. And I did want to show you one thing. Uh, these are kale flowers and I had some of last year's kale went to bloom. So I left some of these flowers for the bees. However, these little flowers taste just like broccoli. And last night I put a bunch of them on my salad and they looked and tasted delicious. So when, if your broccoli, I mean, if your cauliflower has gone to flour, a wonderful food for you to use, just remember to leave some for the bees in the world. Kathy, I hope that question was helpful to you. Oh, good afternoon, Marion. Uh, Marion wants to start interacting <clears throat> about plant-based cooking on social media. She's a casual user of Facebook and Instagram. Based on your knowledge, do you have any advice, encouragement, or warnings? Well, that could be a whole topic for a full um, live event. Um, I have a couple of quick suggestions for you. The first one would be don't come up with a catchy name, but rather identify yourself as Chef Marion or Marion underscore and your last name. Uh, reach out to about 10 or 20 friends who are on social media and ask them to follow you and then have their friends follow you as well. The most important thing in social media I think is having really good photos and having an understanding of hashtags and which hashtags you want to use. And if you ask me which I like best of Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, Instagram is probably the most popular, especially if you're a chef and you want to show off your food and you want to tag other people who share the same interests as you do. I will also say that you get a big bang for your social media buck by using stories and by using reels. So I think to start off slowly, develop some copy, and also to keep in mind that the verbiage that you use if you're writing a paper or an article or whatever is very different from the lingo that you would use in social media. You have to speak in pretty short terms, um, have some gaps for paragraphs, use some catchy graphics, uh, and also follow people who are like-minded like you. They will more than likely follow you back, and that's how you develop a uh, following on social media. But your food, your food photos will speak for themselves. I hope that is helpful to you, and uh, tag me when you start following. Good question. Oh, this is a question from Michelle T. And I read your question and I sort of chortled a little bit. 
uh, Michelle's husband bought a sous vide, which is a method of vacuum cooking. And then they went to a fully plant-based diet a few months later. And Michelle wanted to know if there's anything that I can recommend to use it for. Well, one part of me is like, Michelle, I think you can get rid of it or that you can share it with a friend or whatever. I, I just, however, yes, you can cook vegetables beautifully in the sous vide. And one of the things that you can do to conserve um, the plastic bags is um, to make sure that the bags are closed well, but you can marinate the vegetables, put them in and cook them. I have to say, however, if you refer back to the wonderful Ruby exercise of learning how to cook broccoli, the three different ways to me, that is the most uh, successful method that I have ever tried. But um, have some fun with the sous vide and let us know how you make out uh, creating delicious vegetable dishes. It sounds like a go to me. I was half kidding you, but very good question. So, hey, Marina is back. Before we go to Marina, let's take a mini commercial break. And I just wanted to show you a couple of things. Um, when I make salad dressings, I like them to be a little frothy and a little emulsified looking without having any oil. And if you don't have any fancy blenders or whatever, this little frother that I paid $3 for at Ikea does the most wonderful job when you have your ingredients in a jar much like this stick it in and it develops a beautiful froth it changes the color of your salad dressing a little bit and i think helps to uh, move the flavors around the other thing um <clears throat> if you if i have ever graded your condiments um assignment i always tell you that mustard is my favorite condiment and I like to collect mustards from all over the globe. However, most mustard comes in plastic squeezable bottles at the grocery store. So in my own effort to become a better steward of the environment, I buy a pound jar of Grey Poupon and it goes very quickly in my house, but I have a great jar when I'm done. And back in the day, it used to be that these bottles were imprinted, you know, in glass or etched or whatever, and now you just peel off the label and they're great for storage. And if you want to have uh, your mustard in a squeezable bottle, you can either pick one up from the dollar store or use an old bottle from a different uh, bottle of your mustard. But that's just my little commercial. And the thing I love best about it is that it comes in a glass jar and we all need to really take a look at the plastic that we use and um, consider being better environmental stewards. So, okay, Matt, Marina. Marina is like the best student. She comes around, she is a plant pro graduate. She is an everyday vegan, essential vegan dessert graduate. She is in Plants Plus, and it's always a joy to uh, look and review her work. So she is not, I am going to teach plant-based cooking at her yoga studio. She is not the owner. I know I need safe serve. Who needs insurance? Me, the owner of the studio. Who has liability here? Me as the instructor, the owner of the studio, both what kind of possible liability? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that who makes the food? You or the yoga uh, instructor who owns the studio? 
you make the food. So um, if something is found in the food, it's on the chef. I don't go anywhere without, as you know, my safe serve and my um, food handlers uh, <clears throat> insurance, pardon me. So what I would do is I would call your insurance carrier who carries on your home and ask them uh, their advice for what kind of insurance you should have and ask them about liability. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know uh, what my liability is. I probably should. But when I show up to teach someplace, I just send them those documents and they have them. And really and truthfully, you can't uh, go to a lot of places if you don't have um, that insurance. I certainly would love to be at that yoga studio Marina, because I know that your food will be exceptional looking and delicious. So very good question. Everyone needs to, if you plan to cater or teach or um, whatever it is you plan to do with food, safe serve is your best friend. Okay, this is from Jan W. Good afternoon. <clears throat> do you have a recipe for pasta sauce? All the store-bought ones are full of sodium. Well, I am uh, the granddaughter of Luigi and Maria Monteruli. So yes, I do. So all you need are your aromatics, which would be either garlic or garlic and onion. You would need uh, crushed tomatoes. I would look to make sure that there is no citric acid in the tomato because it does affect the taste of the tomatoes. Uh, I have some favorite brands. Most of them are Italian. Um, I like uh, the ones made by Bio Nature, uh, by Muti. Muti makes a very, very good um, crushed tomato as well as a tomato paste. You've got some basil. You've got a bay leaf. And um, what I have done in the past, I will tell you that works out really well. If you go back to the no oil saute mushroom, that is the perfect base for an Italian pasta sauce with mushrooms in it because you already have those one, that wonderful umami from the mushrooms. You've got chives, you've got shallots, and all you need to do is uh, add some tomatoes, and I think you're well on your way. You can, there is a 365 brand at Whole Foods Market. It is oil-free. I'm not exactly sure of the sodium content, but what you could do is add an extra can of low sodium or salt-free tomato paste and add a little water and thin it out, and that will change the ratio of the calories to the salt. And for those of you who follow whole food plant-based no oil, you're looking for a ratio of uh, calories to sodium milligrams. So if it has 100 calories in it, it should have 100 milligrams of sodium, if that makes any sense. But Jan, have fun making tomato sauce. With summer coming, fresh parsley, fresh basil. Um, and I like to add nutritional yeast to my pasta sauces. So um, that might be some great information. But uh, bon appetito. Thank you for your question. So this is a fun question from Patty. Hi, Patty. What suggestions do you have to use mushroom powder? When a recipe calls for alcohol, what is your go-to substitution? Well, I like using mushroom powders and generally I will make my own uh, using dried mushrooms. Um, 
these mushrooms are from China. However, I have fallen uh, in love with a brand that I get at H Mart and the dried mushrooms are from Italy. And all you need to do is put them into your coffee grinder, uh, a separate coffee grinder and um, make your own mushroom powder. But remember that mushrooms have a lot of umami in them. So they're going to add a lot of flavor. And if you are making your own mushroom powder, the darker the mushroom, the more flavorful that it's going to be. So I always have mushroom powder in my house or I have dried mushrooms just because it's such a flavor enhancer. So you may find that uh, very interesting uh, to you. Um, what When a recipe calls for alcohol, what is a go-to substitution? So I think I have mentioned to some of you in uh, your assignments that I don't use alcohol. So I like a homemade uh, vegetable stock or a vegetable stock that's low sodium. I like water. Sometimes I will put some freshly squeezed orange juice into some water just to add a little bit of flavor. Um, some people like to use vinegar. I, I, I'm not a total fan of that. Uh, it just makes it too rich, rich, rich. Uh, doesn't smell right. So I'd stick with the vegetable stock. That is my always go-to. And now that you know how to make vegetable stock, you're going to have a beautifully rich and colorful stock to add to your, um, to your recipe. So I hope that helps you and uh, happy cooking to you. All right. Oh, Heather is back with another question. I love these questions, by the way. Uh, Heather has been researching Vitamix. Which model would you recommend for personal chef use for dinner parties of 25 or less? I was looking at the 5200 or 53 model. So I think the 52 model is the older one that is taller and has a smaller base. So the taller one doesn't always fit under your cabinets. So the shorter one, the 5300 has a wider base. So if you're cooking with a small amount of ingredients, it doesn't necessarily capture everything while it's uh, you know beating, grinding or whatever. So I think that the 5200 is perfect. Uh, I also like to remind people that Vitamix has a wonderful program of refurbishing uh, their Vitamix. And they give you, instead of a seven-year guarantee, they give you a five-year guarantee. So the price is anywhere between 50 and 60% off. Um, I love Vitamix. And I, I think I may have shared on a previous call that... Um, one one night around 10 o'clock, I was working with my Vitamix and uh, accidentally, I don't know how, but a spoon fell into the Vitamix and my Vitamix stopped in the middle. And there was that 800 number on the back and I called it as rapidly as I could. And a woman named Jane, I will never forget her name. She was like, okay, now here's what I think happened. And I said to her, where am I calling? And she said, oh, you're calling the Vitamix company here in Cleveland, Ohio. I am above the floor where they make the Vitamixes. So I am sold on Vitamix. They're still made in the USA and they will last forever. And for anybody who asks, but why is the container not glass? The velocity of the blades 
can be so high that the plastic is actually safer than using a glass container. So um, I have many friends who work at Vitamix and I get lots of information from them. Very good question, Heather. So we've got a uh, trifecta here from um, Heather. Her next question is, will we have access to participate in these live events and or the replays after graduation? Of course, yes. Um, stay connected with us. Uh, you'll get notices in your email. And if you are on social media, uh, on Twitter, there's a page called Ruby Live and that always lists all of the live events. I hope that's helpful to everyone. And uh, another good question from Heather is, when would you use a Vitamix versus a Blixer? So a Blixer is also a Roboku, which is a very highly functioning um, uh, food processor that you'll see in professional kitchens. Uh, when I worked at Whole Foods Market, I always loved to play in the kitchen because I got to use the Roboku. The Robocoos run around $2,000. I don't have one. I rely on my wonderful, uh, excellent Cuisinart, which works beautifully. Uh, and I think I've mentioned before that I have two containers for my Vitamix. I have one that does liquid, and then I have one where I grind all of my grains when I make my own salads. So um, I hope that that's helpful to you. Um, <clears throat> oh, good. This is from Pat S. And Pat wants to know, uh, she needs advice on storing staples, dried beans, nuts, spices. More specifically, are the containers marketed as airtight, a better alternative than, say, large glass mason jars with screw-on lids? So let's, I'm going to step back for a second and say that <clears throat> when you're at the grocery store, there are so many uh, different elements to think about when you are buying uh, dry goods. So I'm the kind of shopper who will say to the person working in the bulk area, hey, when was the last time these containers were cleaned out? Because sometimes they don't look so clean. And people don't, when I go to Whole Foods these days, they don't know that I worked there for, you know, a thousand years. So I think that the cleanliness of the bulk bins is a very important factor to think about. That's why sometimes I like to buy bags that are packaged and I always check the expiration date. These expire um, on December 30th, 2023. So when I get these home, I just throw them in the freezer because there are no holes or anything in the bag and it'll lay flat and easy. And when it's time to use, then I might store it in a ball jar. I happen to like them. Um, they work very well. They come in all different sizes. I have some lentils here. And uh, the lentils actually have an interesting story that I also want to share with you because it's another important thing to think about when you are buying in bulk. So Eric uh, had developed a recipe and he was looking for some uh, recipe testers and I raised my hand and um, I went to a local, uh, it was an Indian dish. I went to a local uh, um 
up next door to get some beans. And the gentleman who was working there had opened a 25 pound bag of red lentils and he meticulously weighed them. And there was a whole wall filled with plastic bags with little twisty ties. And I said, I'll have a pound of those. And he handed me the bag and I gave him my money and off I went. And when I got to my kitchen and I opened the bag, there were um, little worms in the, um, in the, in the beans, in the, in the lentils. So that's why I, I, love, I love bulk. And I only get my bulk at certain places or I will rely to these. I like to keep uh, as much as I can in the freezer. That seems to work very well. Usually airtight containers are plastic. So I think that these work very, very well. Since we've been using these, I haven't had any problems. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, once you open this package of beans, you should examine them to make sure that there aren't any stones or that there aren't any kinds of creatures. But once they come out of your freezer, um, they're pretty well done. Now, the interesting thing is, is because of the supply chain issue, some places have had a very difficult time getting glass can jars. So if you find some and they are the right size, I would definitely, definitely get them. So uh, Pat, that was a great question. And um, next week, I don't, four times a year, every quarter, I donate a meal for uh, an auction event. And part of the lure to, you know, somebody choosing my, uh, my product as the silent auction is I add that I will be packaging the dinners in glass containers with airtight lids that are bamboo because I want to send that eco message out to people who are eating food that is organic, that's prepared from scratch, et cetera, et cetera. And Airtight is a good way to go. Cuisinart also has beautiful glass bowls. Uh, they're round, they're square, they come in all different shapes that have nicely fitting uh, bamboo tops. So that's something else for you to think about. Great question. So we're here with Terry Lynn. Hey, Terry Lynn, it's good to see you again too. Oh, she's working on her first cookbook. Do you have any recommendations for a system of tracking recipe creation? My habit has been to throw stuff I like together, which makes it harder to go back and recreate. Well, I have never written a cookbook. I did attend a two-day seminar with Sally Eckes, who uh, is a, I will call her a book handler. She's in Massachusetts. Um, she offers coaching if you're interested in uh, writing a book. All of my recipes are handwritten uh, in a shoebox or a notebook. So um, my friend Jane Esselstyn has written two cookbooks and good organization and tracking is the key. Aside from finding recipe testers who will test your food and comment on the end product. The other thing to think about if you're writing a cookbook and thinking about having recipe testers who will pay for the food that they use, will you be paying them to test the food Etc. Etc. So that's one of the things I hear from all of my friends who have um, written cookbooks is finding recipe testers who know how to cook. That's the other exciting and important part of it. So I'll be the first to buy your book. I'll be the first to pre-order on Amazon or at your local bookstore. 
I'll look forward to hearing more from you, Terry Lynn. Thank you so much. Okay, this is from Beverly Kay. Would you please discuss cooking some of the whole grain rices that might actually be seeds? I recently purchased Savannah red rice, one cup of rice and six cups of water was excessive water. Um, I find the same problem cooking wild rice from boundary waters. So I think I may have mentioned, <clears throat> that's from Beverly Kay. I think I may have mentioned a while ago that I treated myself to a soja rushi um, rice cooker. And I felt as though it was extremely extravagant because what was wrong with my 15 year old Aurora rice cooker that I got at Walmart. I will tell you this, the difference in using a beautiful, well-crafted rice cooker has made all the difference in the world. That ratio of, and I don't know Savannah red rice, but that ratio of one cup of rice to six, of, six cups of water seems a, a little high. I think that I would go to the website of the rice growers and see what they have. But I think I would look into a, um, a, a good, well-made rice cooker. Now, the other, the other funny thing about this is that um, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Brazil and learned to cook rice from the best of the best. And um, except now not using oil, that method doesn't work well, uh, where you saute the rice first. And then once it is sauteed and almost starting to caramelize, then you add your water. But I think a good rice cooker, I'm going to, um, to look into Boundary Waters and, and see what that is about. But uh, on the Sojirushi, they have settings for a million different kinds of, of rices. And I, you know, I think that there's a setting for red rice on mine. I'm going to have to go check that out. But Beverly, that is a great question. And thank you so much for um, submitting it. I appreciated it. Oh, Beverly's got a twofer here. Why is so much extra water used to cook some of the older so-called rices? It seems odd to have to drain so much at the end. I have never had in my life as a rice cooker, I have never had leftover water. So I don't know what you mean by older rices, um, but that is a very good question. And uh, don't know what your pan was like, don't know what the flame was at, um, don't know what the ratio was. So I think that there are many uh, sort of uh, inspector gadget questions for that. But uh, that's that's another good question, Beverly. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to talk about one thing before I go on to Laura's question, which I love Laura's questions. So uh, people sometimes say to me, oh, do you have like a go-to snack? So this isn't a commercial because it, I end up showing you something different. But Dr. McDougall, who does not own the company, the company is Right Foods. His picture is on the label. He has these um, microwavable soups. They're rather good. However, when you open that little spice packet, only put one half of it in because they're a little high in sodium. This one has uh, 540 milligrams of sodium and 250 calories. So breaking that sodium down to half the ratio is good. 
But what I love about it is that I put holes in the bottom and I have been growing uh, my vegetables in them for the garden without having to use plastic. And also it makes me feel like I am the star steward of the day because I'm reusing something. So the other thing is um, <clears throat> I don't use any herbicides or pesticides on my little garden. Um, and I grow mostly kale, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, and maybe a squash of some kind. But um, this is tiger bomb. I don't know if anyone uses it. You're probably all too young to use tiger bomb for aches and pains, but it has eucalyptus in it. And I take a little fingerful and I rub it along the edges of my little above the ground garden and it keeps the squirrels away. And my goal in life is to keep the squirrels away. So there's, it's not harmful to anything, but I've been doing it for years. It's something I thought of in my own head. My vegetables grow beautifully, as you can see, but just a little gardening tip and a little recycling tip um, for you. And also those soups are, are really good. The price point isn't bad either. So here we go. This is from Laura. Hello, Chef Char. Recently, you made mention of a rice cooker you are happy with. And as of yesterday, I am the market. I'm in the market for one. I would gratefully appreciate your recommendation. It's Z O J A. R U S H I. And uh, what I did before I bought one is I went to um, H Mart, and H Mart is the world's largest uh, Asian grocery store chain. When I was a Ruby student seven years ago, it's where I bought all of my ingredients for everything that I ever made. It made life very, very easy. So I went and looked at all of the sojurushis, and some of them go up to $700. So um, after being apoplectic at seeing that price point, I came home and I went to Amazon and typed in refurbished sojurushi. And I ended up paying, I think, something like $149. And it comes fully boxed. It comes with all of its instructions. It comes with everything that you need to know. And then the other thing that I do is I don't tell my rice cooker that I'm putting beans inside. And I also use it to cook beans. And it does a great job, but make sure that you soak the beans well before using them. But it makes me dance on the head of a pin. And you'll have to... Uh, Email me and tell me, because once you eat your first sojurushi, it comes out absolutely deliciously. So thank you for your question. Laura, by the way, is an excellent artist. Um, she's multi-talented and her artistry comes out in all of the food that she makes. So this is from Cher. Cooking for one on a whole food plant-based diet is easy, but figuring out how to store fresh produce is challenging. True. How long can fresh veggies be stored without losing nutrient value? And what types of storage containers or methods do you recommend to maximize freshness? So the deal with the green veggies is that as soon as you get home, you have got to take them out of whatever they're in. And uh, I'll give, I will use kale as an example. Um, 
I personally strip my kale the minute I get it home and then I stuff it in a plastic bag and it stays for, it seems forever because once you make it airtight, uh, it stays uh, extremely, extremely well. So uh, I think it's getting them home, taking them out of their wrapper or whatever, removing the little thing that says parsley um, and just storing them. I like to um, take a, either a linen towel and then you roll them out. You put them on the linen towel and then roll them up so that any moisture is absorbed by the towel. It's just like if you buy something at the grocery store, say um, fresh, freshly cut pineapple, there's always that little pillow at the bottom that absorbs all of the water. So the linen towel will do the same. Um, that's a very good question. Um, I have a weekly delivery of organic vegetables and uh, the unboxing is always fun. And then making sure everything gets where it needs to go it takes 10 minutes and then things will last for a long time. Very good question. I hope I answered it well enough for you. Jennifer S, opinion on using air fryer for roasting veggies and other baking options. I live in Arizona and it's too hot to run the oven in the summer. Well, uh, <clears throat> I love an air fryer and I just gave to a friend my combo Cuisinart gigantic uh, multi-purpose air fryer because it roasted, it toasted, it, it did everything. But it was too big for my kitchen. Uh, we recently had our kitchen remodeled and uh, there wasn't enough space between the top where the vents were and um, I traded it in, actually I gave it to my friend, but I traded it in for a $58 Black & Decker, I think it's called Crispin Bake or something like that. And I use my air fryer every single day. And if you go to my Instagram today, char underscore Nolan, I had um, fried, oven fried um, potatoes for breakfast and I used no oil and they came out beautiful and crunchy. So. I love an air fryer. Here's what you need to think about. How many people is it for? Do you have the counter space? Do you want one that is coated in Teflon? Um, <clears throat> do you want one that's easy to clean? So the new Black & Decker that I have is all metal. There's no plastic anywhere. And that just uh, kind of makes me uh, feel a little bit more comfortable. But yay, yay, go. Go, Jennifer, get that air fryer. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, there must be a leaf blowing by the front of the house. Shar, uh, <clears throat> I just found out Vitamix now makes a stainless steel pitcher. Costco is carrying it for less than you can get it online. I just got mine and I'm totally in love. Oh, that's excellent to know. I have seen them. Um, that's a good, good thing to know. So Terilyn, who's busy writing her book, got it at Costco and it was cheaper than it was online. So if you are opposed to using plastic or sometimes having two big containers for your Vitamix is very, very helpful. Very good. Oh, um, one last thing. I showed you Dr. Schenkman's book and the other book I wanted to show you is uh, Body on Fire by Dr. Monica Agarwal. This is a follow-up or a companion to her first book, which was called Body on Fire, which was a book about how she cured herself from rheumatoid arthritis. And it's a great book. 
And if you're going to follow anyone on social media, Dr. Agarwal is the real deal. And uh, the book is great. She has some wonderful recipes. Her recipe for um, vegan Caesar dressing is one of the best that I've ever had. So uh, Monica Agarwal, and that is her book. And it just came out, I think, in February, but it's another good book. So this is from Mary M. And she wants to know how to store all the different flowers that you don't use frequently. If you have freezer space, I love keeping flour in a uh, freezer bag, double freezer bag. Uh, you would put the zipper at one end and then put it in so that you have zipper ends on both sides so that if one does open, it's not going to break out or anything like that. Um, label them, of course. And oh, thank you very much, uh, Richard, for putting... Um, Monica's uh, book up. Uh, the book is co-written by her best friend, who's also a plant-based physician, uh, Dr. Jyoti Rao, and the two of them together are quite a dynamic team. Thank you for that. Um, label them. I, If you use flour a lot, um, jars are good. But if you don't use flowers a lot, or you have like multiple flowers, freezer is best. There's a great recipe online for making sweet potato tortillas. And the ingredients are tortillas and flour. So you can use a gluten-free flour. And it makes the most beautiful dough I've ever worked with in my life. And you don't even need a tortilla press. And, um, you know, I think moving towards, uh, you know, healthier items, more whole items is a good way to go. One of my favorites. Uh, <clears throat> these questions today are so great. I'm enjoying every single one of them. This is from Eva C. Uh, she's considering becoming a professional personal chef. I would like to turn this passion into profit. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions? Well, you know, I think that's what a lot of us here at Ruby have done. We had a passion for cooking beautiful and nutrient dense food and then uh, woke up one day and thought, well, wow, I can make this a business. So, you know, uh, I did a workshop, well, pre-COVID, I did a workshop for entrepreneurs and realizing first that you are creating a business and it is no longer a hobby. And that changes your entire mindset because when something is your hobby, you're gonna give away. I remember saying to a woman, she made pound cakes and, um, she was selling them for a ridiculously low price. And when we did a cost out, it was like, well, this is what you really need to be charging. And you can't give them away anymore as the neighborhood pound cake lady because this is your business. Um, you know, I also just wanted to say, because I, I might be a little old school, but whenever I uh, do anything for anyone, um, I send them a thank you note. And I had these made on Vistaprint. Vista uh, this was a salad that I made using uh, butternut squash. I did an event with uh, an organization called Phil Abundance. And then on the right, on the back side, I just read a really quick thank you note. It doesn't cost too much to uh, send because it's a postcard. My name is on it. They're not going to forget who you are. So how to start out, uh, identify a target audience for yourself. Um, Invite some friends over to your house 
serve them a sample dinner of what it is that you make. Um, sort of decide what your theme of your cooking is going to be. And I'll tell you a very uh, quick story to answer your question. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have been donating uh, 20 meals that we sell for $20 and then uh, $400 gets donated to the World Central Kitchen. I do it once a month. And I was standing online. You can tell I'm from New York because New Yorkers say online, not in line. I was standing online because you were standing on the line. Um, and this, this gentleman said to me, oh, he said, my wife and I were so happy to see your post on social media because you mentioned with the hashtag that it was whole food, plant-based, no oil, SOS free, he said. And I follow the Dr. Esselstyn plan. And so I was happy to find you out. And then the next thing he said to me was, do you have a card? And I, of course, said, yes, I do. I would love to work with you. So um, I say start out small, identify your passion, identify your purpose. And uh, the best boss I ever had in my life was uh, teacher Norma Vogel, who was the principal of a Quaker school that I worked at. And she said, teacher Shar, always do what you love and do what you know. So I'll pass teacher Norma's advice on to you as well. Very good question. Oh, and look who's here. Chef Fran is here. She teaches me everything I know about, about anything in the baking world. Listen to Chef Shar, keep your whole grain flours in the freezer to guard off against rancidity. And also, friend, we were talking about how when I get home, if I buy a packaged can of beans or whatever, I put those right on the freezer until I need to use them and then store them. So uh, nice to see you here, Fran. Um, Fran, I have some tomato plants for you. My starters are beautiful, so I'll bring them over soon so she can grow them on her porch. Um, <clears throat> this is from Randy C. Good afternoon, Randy. I bought beautiful basil in two plastic containers on Sunday. I used one pack in a vegetable lasagna, sounds delicious, that night and had asked Trader Joe's how to keep the other basil. They said, put it in water on the counter. By Monday, it was wilted. Any suggestions? Sure, you're going to treat that basil just like it was a bouquet of roses from your favorite florist. You're gonna cut the, uh, the edges off. Uh, you're gonna use your favorite little scissors uh, cut off about an inch and make sure that the water is very cold and they will perk right up and you'll have basil for several days. I also do this with parsley and cilantro. So um, my grandparents also did that. And um, just a, a funny story about my grandparents because I grew up making tomato salad with ice cubes in it. So it would be tomatoes, and onions, and uh, they would add, of course, olive oil and vinegar, red wine vinegar, and then a bunch of ice cubes. And one day, about 20 years ago, a friend of mine said to me, why do you put ice cubes in your salad? And I said, well, because that's how my grandparents did it. And then as conversation developed, my grandparents were born before refrigeration. And so I guess a quick way for them to marinate those to marinate those beautiful tomatoes was to use ice cubes. However, if you still came to my house and I made that tomato salad, I still use ice cubes. True story. Oh, hello, Vanessa. Can you detail how you cook your beans in your sojawushi? 
what ratio of beans to water and for how long? What rice setting do you use? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the sojirushi comes with a little plastic cup. It doesn't come with an eight ounce cup. It comes with a little cup. So I took two little cups, put them in, and then filled the water up to the two line. Boom, boom, off I went. Sometimes I like to throw in a bay leaf. Um, the only thing that I had to do was it does steam a little. So towards the end, I took a linen cloth and had to just, you know, wipe the top. But the beans came out. Oh, they were delicious. The best beans I ever ate in my life. So, uh, the, uh, Sherry, this is a great question. Any way to break down the bitterness of tough flour? Um, I would love to know what you're making. You know, teff is the tiniest grain in the world. Um, <clears throat> I don't use it often enough when I have. I find that garlic uh, is the cure to all uh, things that are bitter. So you might want to try that out. I would suggest to use garlic granules and they would work very, very well. Hope that works for you. Oh, back to Randy. Um, I am also thinking of becoming a health coach and seeing there are so many courses like eCornell, IIN, PCRM. Um, well, that's a great question. And there are many different factors. I would uh, get research uh, or query all of those organizations. Uh, eCornell is three segments. It's done relatively easy. Uh, the information is fabulous. Um, I have many friends who have gone to IIN, which is a nine or 12 month program, which essentially covers every single diet that there is. And then the PCRM class uh, is also very good. And I know a lot of chefs who use that. If you are going to be a plant pro graduate, um, uh, that's your a great foundation. And then to enhance what you have learned here, I personally, as I mentioned, went to eCornell and I loved every minute of it. But also it depends um, what you do and how you like to learn. I know before COVID, PCRM had a one-week uh, residency where you had to actually go there and uh, participate in things. So um, before I get to Jennifer's question, I did want to mention that... Um, a student uh, whose name is Vicki Brock, I believe. She's a Forks Over Knives graduate. She has just published her first cookbook. She sent me the uh, galleys to it so I could look at some of the recipes. And all of the recipes are whole food, plant-based, no oil, SOS-free. She's affiliated with the Detroit-based uh, plant-based nutrition support group, but this book is her own endeavor. So congratulations to her as a Forks Over Knives grad. Um, this is from Jennifer. Can you please share the title of the vegan book from the beginning of the session? Uh, let's see. Yes, here it is. I'll hold it up for you. It's called The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide. Uh, it is published by, I believe she self-published. It uh, doesn't have any pictures in it, but the information is solid as a rock. And um, I like her recipes a lot. Easy to do, easy to make. And this is from Patty S. Back to the basil. 
Uh, basil will also easily root in a glass of water. Well, I don't know about you, Patty, but I use basil so quickly, it doesn't have time to root because I'm always using it, uh, you know, uh, as a garnish or adding it to a sauce, or I actually like to mix it with lettuce because it's so delicious. But uh, that's very good information to know. And anyway, uh, let me just see if there's anything else here uh, in my little uh, show and tell. I have some notes here. Um, this is for the sous vide question. Uh, if you go to a website called izzycooking.com, I-Z-Z-Y cooking.com, uh, she has a very good tutorial on how to cook vegetables using sous vide. And um, remember that if you're going to cook for mushrooms and you're looking for a bang for your buck or a powerful taste, the darker the mushroom, the better the flavor. So rather than getting the white button, go look at the cremony, sometimes called baby Bella or sometimes called brown button, but they'll give you a nice flavor also the shiitake as well as portobello. And um, I have lots of notes, but I think that I took care of everything. Uh, it is always my extreme pleasure to be here with all of you. Uh, for those of you who are current students in any of the programs that we offer, uh, it's fun reviewing um, everybody's hard work. And, uh, you know, it. Um, uh, excuse me, Randall, uh, one of, Randall McNamara, one of the instructors here sent me a little, congratulations, happy two years working at Ruby. And ironically, today is the seventh anniversary of the day that I clicked that finish and got my big boost of, uh, burst of uh, confetti and my Ruby diploma. So um, this foundation from Ruby is what you want it to be. And uh, I have heard from many other students and I've been on some students, former students podcasts who have taken their, um, their, their knowledge into many different arenas. And I'll close with one who is um, a woman in Florida whose husband is an administrator of um, hospitals. And her plan is to work with the dietary departments because if you go back to your hospital menu assignment, one of the goals is, I think, is that we th there's a market for us in hospitals to teach chefs how to cook whole food plant-based. So on that note, I'm going to sign off from the city of sisterly love, of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And until the next time, I hope you all have a happy day. Thank you.